while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome, South Coast tonight. Marcus, how's it going? Good. Great fodder for the off-air podcast. I think that we were just adding, honestly. <laughs> really? really? Did you guys know that Tucker Carlson was a MSNBC host? You're, you're killing the guy right now. <laughs> you're killing the poor guy. So was Michael Savage. So was Michael Savage. Yep. But they're not here tonight. They're not here tonight. We're here tonight with you. It will be taking your calls at 508 508- 996-0500. That's how you can get on. We're also taking your messages on the WBSM app chat. If you want to uh, shoot us a message, we'd really appreciate it. It'd be cool. We'll read it if we like it. So <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you want to insult us, we'll read that usually. Well, like, well, like we said before, if it's, if it's, if it's mean, be creative. Right. Otherwise you're just a jerk. Right. You know? Right. Right. Like there's plenty of mean people in in the uh that hang out in the comment section on Facebook and on Twitter. But sometimes they're funny and oh, yeah. and I get a good kick out of it. So so it adds a little bit of color to my day. Give it a whirl. Give it yeah, a whirl. Right. Give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. <laughs> try, to hurt, try to hurt my feelings. The uh, No please don't. We appreciate everybody that interacts with all of our media. Right. Uh, um pleasantly or otherwise. So (laughs) 508-996-0500, we have to start off with the biggest news of the day, which is our president, Joe Biden, is descending upon us in the South Coast. Uh, He's making a trip tomorrow to Brayton Point, which is the site of the old power plant in Somerset. And he's going to give a speech on climate change. Uh, clean energy, all that jazz. Uh, so, Marcus, I um, I have a question for you. You're you're, uh, you're clued into these things, and you wrote a, you wrote a very interesting piece about our interview with John Mitchell um, about how he's thrown down the gauntlet, right? Yeah. How he said this is a competition. We're going to win. Someone's going to lose. That that um, and that piece actually made uh, Politico's playbook this morning, which right? was which was great. Which is the, the the column that everybody in Massachusetts reads in around the country, really, if you're yep. involved in politics. Yeah. So, Marcus, let me ask you a question. Brayton Point, we're competing with them, aren't they? Yes, exactly. So what does it tell us, or does it tell us nothing, that President Biden is coming to Brayton Point and not New Bedford to talk about renewable energy? Right, I know, that's exactly, I mean, it, it, it plays into exactly what Mayor Mitchell is saying, because the fact that Brayton Point... Brayton Point is is a direct competitor. The people that are having that that are going to get jobs and opportunities in Brayton Point isn't necessarily going to benefit people in New Bedford. It's going to be I mean, more realistically Fall River right. and Somerset. And it's Swansea. good for the region, but not for New Bedford. Not for New Bedford, and, and now not you, if they get the business in New Bedford doesn't completely right. And now you have the president going to Brayton Point. Right. I think it actually I think it actually proves the mayor's. Um, the mayor's point that this is a competition because a zero sum game. A zero sum game, exactly. I think that really captures. And the most powerful man in the world is aligning with our competition yeah. tomorrow. 
in Somerset. I used to hate Somerset too because I, you know, I went to staying. I played football. Is it true that Brayton Point hired Hunter? <laughs> it's not even reasonable. So I used to hate them because we played them in football and they were very dirty uh, when I played for uh, when I played for Stang. I used to call them Scummerset actually, but I like Somerset. Don't I don't want to diss on Somerset. I know we've got a. Uh, but got, you can't just sneak in an insult like that and then and then call them, say no mas. Come on. <laughs> we've one of our one of our, our colleagues. One of our co- one of our colleagues is from Somerset. So or what do you call it? Huh? Scummerset. <laughs> Tomorrow, Sean Hanley will be using it. Tomorrow night, Sean Hanley will be using it. Using it. Right, yeah. Joe Biden should have been Scummerset. So, um, no, but yeah. I think it's, it's, it's a big... It's a big deal. It's a huge big deal. But Whether the, you like Biden or not, it's a huge The big fact deal. that he's coming to the region at all to talk about these important things, these things that I are... I just got a text message, Scummerset. <laughs> it's catching on. We... <laughs> Marcus. Oh, no. It's your handiwork. Oh, man. If I run for... Um, if I run for governor's council or something, I'm in trouble. That's a big, that's a big vote block in Somerset. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I mean, it'll cover the district. Uh, so five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. We actually we have a call now, and uh, let's go to the phones. Good evening. Thanks for holding. Yeah, but is he really going to talk, or is he just going to incoherently mumble? <laughs> <laughs> that's him talking, that's sir. That's that, that's kind of you know you know the answer to that one. But I just want to know what do you think the better picture? AOC crying by the fence, or her, or her having fake handcuffs on. Which one do you think is a better picture? So, caller, I hope you stick around because I, I want to address this later. We had some of our, our our princesses in the delegation. They got arrested too over there tonight uh, or yesterday, or t- rather today, early today, protesting. Can you imagine, caller, that you have members of Congress? And I wrote about this at WBSM. They have the power equivalent of the Supreme Court. Right, their branch of government, co-equal branch of government, and they're on the street like children, like angry college yeah. students. You know, how oh, can yeah. you take them seriously when they don't take themselves seriously? You can't. It's all. It's a joke. And so she. So today, when she was she got photographed, she made it try to make it appear to people in front of her that she was being handcuffed. And then the invisible handcuffs disappeared, and she put a fist pump up. So uh, what's her? Uh, oh, oh my! Did the same thing because I watched the video. I'm like, wow, they handcuffed. And then you see. A hand come up, so I rewound up. Like, what the heck is that? They're faking their handcuffs. It's so ridiculous. It's all it, a photo op. It, it's so, look, they've got some legitimate points, but how can you take them seriously? Yeah. I mean, it's just, you really can't. You can't. Thanks. Uh, that's all I got. Hey, let's go, Brandon. Let's Thanks for the call. <laughs> Appreciate it. So, th- we'll get into that a little bit later, sure. I think. I still want to talk about Biden. No, I think Biden, I think Biden is up. Um, but so just just I know it's pretty funny what the guy said. But let's remember, getting the president of the United States to come to the area is, is a huge big deal. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's a huge big deal. Do you were? I'm trying to think, Marcus. Not to. I was a kid age. when when Bill Clinton when came Clinton here. Came, I was very. That was a big deal. That was mid '90s. '96, he came to Fall River. '96, yeah. Then it was. I think. Yeah, it was not. It was around 2000, he came. For the governor's race. So I know 96, he came to... I remember that because I was 96, so I was seven years old. He came to Fall River. I remember that being... I remember one of my friends telling me he shook hands with Bill Clinton, actually, or something like that. So I remember that. In 2000, I don't I don't necessarily remember uh, that. I remember my brother took a picture with Bill Clinton when he came to New Bedford. And when he was here in 96, he went to Kennedy Park. It was an enormous turnout. Mm-hmm. That was the sure. year... That Clinton was trying to fight back to get the house back. He, yeah, you know, Gingrich had taken a ninety four. Ninety four, right? So you had he came to campaign for Jim McGovern. 
That was the end of Peter Blute. I mean, Peter yeah. Blute lost that election that year because, really, Bill Clinton came and got the vote out. Right. And, and of course, you had Bob Dole at the top of the ticket, so it wasn't very helpful that year either. Of course. But the point is, it's a big deal when the president comes. Yeah, it's a big deal. That's the last time a sitting president actually came to the Commonwealth was Bill Clinton, and we've had a few since then, right? A sitting president. Sitting president. Not not to the Commonwealth, to the South Coast, because, of course, they're going to come to the Commonwealth. I mean, They rake up money up here. Yeah, Boston, right? <laughs> yeah Martha's right? Vineyard. So I wonder, yeah, yeah. I wonder if Biden will be doing a fundraiser while he's in the area. I'm nothing wrong with it. I wonder if he is, though. Yeah, I might catch a ferry to the vineyard or something. Yeah, seriously. No, I agree. Jill, Jill Believe Biden, me. Jill, Jill Biden. Uh, Jill Biden was just in uh, Nantucket. Right. That's where she was crying about how Joe Biden had high hopes, and I, you know, I talked about that. I'm on Nantucket. Life couldn't be worse. <laughs> the, um, the yeah. And no, no. Again, and again, I, I don't point out the fundraising thing for anything more than I'd be interested. You know, because we'll find out in a couple of. No, weeks. it's not to say right. anything that's like yeah, not, that's just the game. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So. Maybe Newport, something like that. There could be a Newport one. There could be, um, I don't know. I mean, there's places over, there. you know, again, not not to pull the age card here. but Andover, there was a big fundraiser recently. There was a big one a few back in the 90s. Bill Weld had a party for uh, the governor of California, Wilson, when he was running for president. Mm-hmm. It was on, on um, oh, a boat in the Fall River. Not the battleship, but it was over, maybe it was the battleship. And it was uh, a lot of Democrats. On the battleship? I believe so. I've been to fundraisers on that. Yeah. No, I haven't. I went to a couple. um, Ed Lambert used to have fundraisers on there. Okay. Um, I used to go to Barry Silver, as a matter of fact. But but Pete Wilson, he flew into New Bedford Airport because I met him. I was was a kid. I was in college. I had a nice conversation with him. And then I get this pilot. Let me bring him on his plane. Uh, It was his friend's plane or something like that. uh, But Pete Wilson was a very nice guy. He's governor of California. And um, at one point... He was going to be leading the wing of the Bill Weld Republican Party, which has now been vanquished. Yeah, right. Right. Handedly vanquished, yeah. He um, he was big, big. There's his- always one of those guys, right? I just feel like they come around every few years. You you have this, oh, this, um, this arbiter of moderation is going to save the Republican Party. Chris Christie was right. somebody that comes to mind. They, they think there's a lane. Yeah, and there isn't there a lane. Isn't a lane. <laughs> it's it's actually this. It's honestly it's tough for Chris Christie to fit down anyway. It's the same thing. It's the same thing with. Uh, it's the same thing with the Democratic Party in a way because you have people that try to triangulate, right? You like Elizabeth Warren, for example. Her, she admitted that her her campaign was a triangulation. It was kind of a triangulation of a triangulation, and. It didn't work. Right. You've got to go one way or the other. Right. Because if you don't go one way or the other, you're going to you're going to lose a, a significant you're going to lose a voter base of, of both of them. Right. And you're going to get nowhere. Marcus, I'm, I'm curious. What, do you think there'll be much of a protester turnout tomorrow down there in Somerset? I don't know. Isn't that near one of those uh, dumb stores? Um, the, the dumb Trump stores? Maybe they I can thought they go- were set on fire or, or attacked with a car. Maybe. I don't know. No, There's the so Trump many of them. was attacked with a car. Don't you remember that? Yeah, there was... Was that yeah, the one? That was in Easton. Oh, the one in Easton I, was attacked. All right. Right? Yeah, there was one in sense. Easton. That's right. That's right. I, yeah. think the, I thought there was one around there, like in no, Somerset. There is, there is one over in that way. I believe, oh, there was, anyway. I think there was one specifically in Somerset. Maybe, because I feel like there's pockets of conservatism over there. I remember when, uh, you know, when Kaepernick uh, took a knee, there was a lot of people burning, like, Patriots jerseys. Or when the Pats took a knee. Really? In response to... Yeah, there was a big there was a big jersey burning, you know, because people just couldn't Those stand for a second. expensive. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, people's days... This, people's days were just ruined by some people taking 
standing in Nice. So they had this big jersey burning in actually Swansea. So there could be, I, I guess, a protest turnout. There might be, you know, I don't know. It could be the fact that every time a president goes anywhere at all, right. there's protesters. I agree with you. No, regardless of who it is. I, I remember uh, Obama getting people were shouting at a, a you know, protest shouting pro, like and Obama handled it pretty well. You know, he was just like, oh, hey, you know, whatever. You're like, hey, let's be nice. So but, my, my problem with protests is that I hate when they interrupt the president's speech, whether I like the brother, I agree with the president or not. I just think it's disrespectful to the office. That's me personally. Yeah. It, it's. It doesn't. You don't feel that way. You like. You like it, the chaos, Marcus. It depends. If they're saying something I like, sure. If they're not, then I then I don't no, like it. I don't care. Then I think it's. About... A, then I think it's an affront to the the you know <laughs> the democracy, the American people. Five zero eight nine nine six oh five hundred. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. Thanks for holding. Yeah. How you doing, Marcus and Chris? Hey, good, my man. Hey, I got a special question for you, Marcus. Oh, boy. Now, uh, recently, Gavin Newsom was at the White House on Wednesday. He was a, He had an interview. And he asked him about the Democratic Party. He says it's not the president, it's not the, the press secretary, and it's not the cabinet. What do you it mean? Was, then, uh, yeah. He's trying to uh, isolate himself. He's saying that the party's not that. Then what is it then? Well, I think, yeah, he might be trying to, by saying that, position himself to uh, mount a primary challenge. Him and J.B. Pritzker are the two people that have sort of hinted at it. Now, Gavin Gavin Newsom doesn't have the the personal wealth that JB Pritzker has, but he does have uh the California donor base, which is obviously very very significant. Well, Gavin Newsom being from San Francisco himself has right. Silicon Valley, which is probably the the biggest uh donor base, which right. is what Kamala Harris tapped into. Well, he's also the nephew of Nancy Pelosi. Is he so really? I've heard that, that but I don't know connection. I don't know. I mean, they're both from, again, they're both from San Francisco. It could be true. Well, uh, well that's what I heard on a, on a news outlet. Mm-hmm. That's the nephew. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but he's trying to disconnect himself from the, from the Democrats. Yeah, but he's, yeah, he's but, trying to... I mean, come on. I mean, the American people are not that stupid. Yeah, I mean, I think he just passed some significant tax relief like the, the Speaking Hill's working on over there to give people checks and all of that. Tax relief? The rich are going to Mexico and the other ones are going to... to you know, that's actually not true. Uh, it, it's you not know, true. It's not true that the, that, that the uh, wealthy people are leaving California. Well, uh, New York and California, where they have wealth taxes, people are still going there. Interesting. Well, they're, well they're complaining Trump in Portugal left. that all the Americans are going there. They're going to Lisbon. They're going to Lisbon. I think the yeah, tax Lisbon, rates in Lisbon, Lisbon are a lot higher than they are here. Yeah, I would yeah, say. I would throw say so. On that, Chris. Well, you I don't know, know about know it what's happening. I, I, yeah, but I, I, I don't think moving to Europe is where you're going to get lower taxes. <laughs> oh, no, seriously? Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, they're leaving in droves. I mean, no, uh, no. I, I, real, I realize there are people making changes. I mean, they lost congressional seats like we lost them. They've headed to places like Texas, Florida, things like that. But the, um, I don't think Lisbon really is, is seeing an influx of wealthy people because they have pretty, pretty draconian taxes over there. Well, you know, uh, the other thing is Gavin Newsom's upset because they're losing a lot of seats to, to Republicans. Well, they lost, two, they lost two congressional seats, I think. Um, all they still I'm have quite a few. Is, all I'm saying, Marcus, he's got to come up with something better than that because, you know, uh, you know that Joe Biden... Well, maybe not. Uh, if he's going to primary Biden, he might not. Yeah, he might not. He might yeah. just need to be the alternative. The alternative to what? To Biden. The, to the Biden. bottom of the barrel? Well, to Biden. No, to, to get, listen, you need, the only way you can become the president is you need to be on one of the two major party tickets. <laughs> thanks for the call. We appreciate need, it. Yeah, thanks. You, it, need, you need to be a Republican or a Democrat to become an here's, American president. Here's, okay, right. <laughs> no, that's so, true. So if, you, so if you're the alternative to Biden in the primary, you've you got, you got a 50% chance you, you of becoming president. Look at Gavin Newsom. 
he is young. He's a good-looking guy. He projects youth and vigor, which Biden at this present time in his career does not do. Correct. Uh, he's, I think, pretty popular in his own state. They tried that stupid recall, which it was too easy to recall people in California. It didn't work. He survived it pretty, pretty handedly. So I think Gavin Newsom could mount a serious primary challenge. And again, he he's tapped into a significant donor base in uh, in California by being the governor of California. He he's somebody that they've tapped. He's somebody that they've looked at for president uh, for president uh, presidential candidate for a long time. Right. I remember when he was lieutenant governor, he was going on Bill Maher all the time, right. and he already had a national profile. It's just Jerry Brown wouldn't leave, right? Jerry, Jerry Brown wouldn't leave. Moonbeam. He he was he was Moonbeam. he was don't. Don't take Howie stuff no, no, and bring beam. it over here. No, that was his nickname. Moon oh, Moonbeam. Oh, I think that was his nickname. <laughs> you know what his lawyer was? Who was Scott Lang? Oh, okay. Scott Lang. That's was his right. Yeah, I did lawyer. know that. Yeah. yeah, he ran for president. Yeah. in the in eighty eight. No, ninety two. He ran against Clinton. He did. He was yeah, in, and he was yeah. governor in seventy five. Yeah, it was, the Eagles used to hang out at the governor's mansion. Right. Cool. The the um, the, in, the um, reality of it is is that. Joe Biden is in tough shape, right? Physically, and he's a little old. His, like his approvals, his approvals are are pretty bad too. And so you very well may see Gavin Newsom and well, some other people well, step forward as a, as someone who's a you know reliably as a registered Democrat, someone who's reliably voted Democrat for for the entirety of my life. Really, uh, what I just don't see. A path like right now, you never know. The economy could rebound. I can't see it rebounding in any significant way to make people feel better enough to reelect Biden. But the way he projects right now is just not the way a two-term president projects. Right. If you're a Democrat, and again, I am, you probably you're you're kidding yourself if you're not at least looking at these other options potentially for so for president. The argument. Especially if Trump's becomes, on the ballot. The argument, if Trump's well, on the ballot. The argument becomes in the Democrat Party. You can't wait till you decide till you find out who the who the Republican nominee is to, to right? You have to you have to primary. Biden. Yeah, you have to do it either way because right. if you don't think he's gonna be if you don't think he can do it in November against whoever the Republican is, you don't have the time to wait anyway. And if if you come to twenty twenty four, well you'd have to make the announcement really in twenty three, right? Right. If you come to the if you come to next year and they say the only alternatives they have are Kamala and Biden, then the Democratic Party is doomed. Well and then I mean that's one of these choices that begets itself because if you start to say, well we don't think he can beat the beat the Republican in November, so we're gonna primary him <laughs> you're damn near, you're damn sure guaranteeing he's not gonna make it to November. Which is what ended up happening to Jimmy, Jimmy Carter. Carter, yeah. Right? Jimmy Carter is the greatest example. Ted Kennedy he's not the Ted Kennedy we remember when he passed away. Mm-hmm. He's a young guy relatively you know he had had Chappaquiddick but that was quite a number of years earlier. He was young, he was you know he got ready for it mm-hmm. and uh, Another one was Scott Lang was involved, and um, that killed Jimmy Carter's presidency. Yeah, right to be primary from the left. So the uh, didn't uh, didn't Bush uh, senior get a uh, primary uh, when he was getting Pat Buchanan. in ninety two? Pat Buchanan, Pat Buchanan, right? yeah. and then Ross Perot jumped in and ran at him on on trade yes. and things like that for the final. Yeah. Um, the um, I mean, B- uh, Bush was significantly wounded. By uh, by Buchanan, and then um, which which in some ways created because he originally started the trade argument, which then created an opening for for uh, Perot. I just think there's there's a way for Democrats to keep the White House in 2024, but that way does not include 
Joe Biden being the nominee again at this juncture. Like I said, I guess a lot could happen in a year. We don't know. We don't know what could happen in a year. But if you're a Democrat and you're listening, you might be annoyed by this. And I understand it. But, you know, keep in mind, I would like Donald Trump to not be president again, too. Right. I would like Hillary should have gone to Wisconsin. I would like Ron DeSantis to not be president. Right. I would very much like that just as much as you do. But I, it's hard to reconcile uh, reconcile a, a Joe Biden re-election campaign being successful so who, so with that choice? notion that I don't want. Who's your choice over I, Biden? I don't have a. See, I don't have. It's. I think. I Is think it anybody but Biden. It's not. A, I don't think it's anybody but Biden. Right? If like, I mean, within, within you know, not not ridiculous, obviously, but but think about it. You've you mentioned Pritzker. Yeah. Um, but what about AOC? Would you? I mean, I would be more enthusiastic about. So here's the thing: in terms of policy, I'd be more enthusiastic about AOC than 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 Newsom and than Newsom and Pritzker, right? Right. By far, it's not even close. And but I think she's too young. Well, that's a great. That's the problem: is is that well, she's going to run. She'll be just old enough, I think, by the time she gets gets sworn in on January third, right? Or January twentieth. Sorry, January third is when Congress gets sworn in. But by January twentieth, she'll be just old enough. But I think people don't take you seriously if you're 34 running for president. Not when you have fake handcuffs on. I mean, it's it's is she ready for prime I think that time? Plays, I think that plays well. I think she's ready for prime time. I mean, she's been in prime time for four or five years now. And I think she's made a national brand for herself, I think, pretty well. Not as commander-in-chief. Commander not as commander-in-chief. It becomes a whole different game. Right. A whole different game. Right. But, I mean, I, again, I think, she's, I think she could actually effectively mobilize a younger base... Those, they, those those vaunted young voters. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? That's what. Yeah, it's that's the problem. They don't show up. It's the problem. The um, or is it good? I don't know. The um, the fact of the matter. I mean, is Obama that, won handedly because of young people, and they haven't really been able to replicate that since. And could, some of that could have been disappointment, right? Over what was promised and what was delivered. Uh, but um, what about Liz Warren? She's your girl. She won't win. How dare she, you say that? She won't win. I know, I'm joking. Yeah. She won't she won't win. We know that. We've already tried that. She won't win. Does the So You I'm, know and I said and I said when Bernie was running in 2019 or to 2020, I said Liz Warren was my second choice without without like by far was my second choice and it looked like they were going to hand her the nomination on a silver platter because right. Bernie got he went down, he had a heart attack. She was leading the polls and she was just inoffensive enough to, I think, the, the, the party donor base right. for them to, to go with her. Right. But she just gave it away. So, so does the party, Democrat Party, in, as they begin to push Joe Biden aside, um, using the age issue, um, he was a great, great, you know, he was great. He was, he was great, good service of the party, yada, yada, yada. Does, that, does they use that as a way to also make the argument against Trump? Yeah, look, we can't have Biden. Look at how much older he is. Looking, he's not, he, he couldn't perform. And and look at look at Trump. He's you know same reasons. Does it make it easier to do that to Biden because they plan on doing it to Trump? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I think it does. But you know, Trump still. I Trump's definitely lost a step from me from when he was in twenty sixteen. I think you can tell. But he still he still got it. He still got it. He still got it for. <laughs> For all intents and purposes, right. you know who the number one I think best candidate could be is Michelle Obama. I think Michelle Obama would probably be the best candidate. Do, I think she would. You think she has the kind of message discipline she needs? I think so. Yeah. I 
think that probably Michelle and Obama is still the most popular living Democrat uh, in the country. He's still he's still pretty popular. So. Joe, again, the problem with Michelle Obama, I think, is that she's always was, was as the first lady. You are protected. Yeah, as you should be. You know, I, and, and so you, when you when you learn your national politics in the bubble of protection because you are the first lady, um, I think it's difficult to transition. But we'll see. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll be joined by Chris Hendricks. Stay tuned. Listen to us live. Any gun on that? That Which one commercial of us had a stroke. <laughs> I'll be a professional broadcaster one day, and you're all are along for the along for the experience of it. <laughs> I'm just here with a joke. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. But first, we're joined by State Representative Chris Hendricks. Hey, Chris. Marcus, how you doing? Hey, Good. Chris. What's going on? Not much. Not much. Just uh, working on a lot of things. You know. A lot of things to work on at the end of the session, which ends in a couple of weeks. So uh, we're kind of spinning our wheels, uh, working day and night, quite frankly. Let's talk about some of those things. So you recently, there's a, you know, that, that massive e- uh, um, economic development bill that's going through, and you have secured some some amendments for New Bedford. And I think it's worth mentioning, you you and Rep Cabral are now the two reps that are are beholden completely to uh, a New Bedford electorate. So let's talk a little bit about the, the reps, uh, I mean, the um, the amendments that you uh, you got into sure. the bill. Sure. So, so this is an economic development bill, as you know, Marcus. It was a $4.2 billion uh, spending package. Um, a lot of uh, things to address, you know, $800 million in health and human services, $500 million in environmental uh, protection spending, um, $100 Seventy-five million in housing, which, as you know, uh, since the crisis and even before the crisis, has been, uh, particularly in New Bedford, uh, a serious, serious issue. So um, um, we've injected quite a bit of money um, into the housing uh, apparatus uh, throughout the state, you know, since since 2020, and so this is no exception. Um, but the the main piece of this bill, as I'm sure you you've talked about, is the 500 million in tax relief um, that will yeah. go directly. Uh, to, to, to Massachusetts residents, um, you know, in, in consideration of tax relief and in, in being mindful of the fact that gas prices, despite, you know, decreasing uh, to a degree, it's, it's still certainly a, a pinch for most folks. We're speaking with State Rep Chris Hendricks. So the session ends next week. Uh, what else is on the agenda? So as far as uh, from now until the end of the budget, um, we just to the end of the session. We just uh, finalized the budget. Uh, that happened uh, recently. We did that uh, a couple of days ago, uh, finalizing uh, 50, $52 billion, um, for the fiscal year 23. So we're, we're, we're excited that we got that done. Um, and before I go into the, the rest of the session, uh, Marcus, I just want to touch upon the actual New Bedford amendments in the economic development bill. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to go around to that. Okay. And I know you specifically asked that. So okay. um, in this, so I filed two amendments um, for $200,000 for Brooklawn, the Brooklawn Fields, the Willing City Fields, uh, the baseball and pony fields to be um, uh, renovated as far as uh, the ball field lighting, um, which I think, you know, is much needed. And it's, it's kind of a, uh, a personal earmark as, you know, we, I spend a lot of time down there. I was going to say, didn't you play on those fields? No, I actually I played in the south end as a kid. But, oh, all right. But I, you could have lied. You could you could have lied See, about he's that. So honest. He's I know. So honest. I, I would have said, yeah, when I was hey, a kid. Hey, you know, I, we have <laughs> we have 
legendary status down in the South End as far as baseball <laughs> with uh, the Langs and all that. We had some good players. Oh, and by the way, when they won the state championship, 1998, New Bedford High team, it was all South End kids. So I'll just say that. Uh, <laughs> That's so, not going to so help you in your district. <laughs> Uh, you know, so the Brookline Field, I live, you know, I, I live, you know, two streets over. So, um, you know, I, I'm really happy. And, and that the issue of lighting has been a real problem there in that park, among other things. Um, so, so I'm really happy that we were able to get that. And I got uh, $100,000 for the Girls Design Academy, which, as you know, is a after-school program designed for uh, geared towards uh, third to fifth grade girls to expose, you know, to introduce them to STEM education, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, which historically is a, um, has, they have not been uh, introduced to uh, as, as males. So we're really proud of that. Um, well, that, 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 that's good stuff, because if, if you didn't get that funded in the budget, it wouldn't happen. Right. Yeah, that, that's I mean, a very it, important it, thing to point that out. Was, yeah, that's a good point. I actually filed an amendment specifically that's for that. a good point. I am awesome. <laughs> well, well, I but, agree. But, but you no, know, sometimes the legislative process seems so, it is opaque <laughs> to, to people that they don't think, like, oh, that would have happened anyway. Well, no, not necessarily. Right? Hello? Chris? Chris? Yep, I'm here. What, did you fall down? Yeah, I thought I lost you there for a minute. So what I'm saying is that oftentimes people just think, oh, it, w- it would have happened anyway. But unless you put that yeah, in there, no, it wouldn't it, happen, it certainly right? Certainly w- with amendments, particularly with, you know, budget amendments, you've you, you got you to gotta advocate for those. And so we work closely. You know, we, this is uh, – we got some money in my first term. Obviously, COVID hit, so these type of programs kind of took a hit. So I was really, really grateful that we got that money in um, this time around. We're speaking with Chris Hendricks, our state representative from New Bedford. He, he represents the north end of New Bedford. He used to represent uh, Cushing as well, but he actually lost that in the redistricting, so now he's just a totally New Bedford guy. Um, Chris, do you have any prospects, any predictions that you'd care to share with us on the legalized gambling bill that's still hanging around the, the House? Yeah, that's uh, no. Uh, short answer. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, as you know, we passed it Can in the House. Can we bet on that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We passed that, and hopefully maybe we'll be able to. Um, we passed that on the House side some time ago. It was last year. Um, and so it's it, the, basically the holdup is with the conference uh, committee is, is, you know, uh, the Senate's version is, is quite a bit different. We, there's not many days left to get it done. So, um, you know, I don't have any particular uh, inside information about that getting to the table uh, before the session ends. But um, certainly it's possible. I know the Speaker Mariano has indicated that he's, certainly willing to, to bring it to a vote if need be. It's just, I think it's a matter of working out the negotiations with the Senate side. Chris, just because it's your first appearance here on the program, and you've been out with me, you've been out with Marcus in the past, but, but just let people know, what committees are you on in the House up there? I'm on the Judiciary Committee. I am on the Housing Committee. And I am on the Committee uh, for Census and ARPA Oversight, which at this point uh, is a kind of not as regular committee, considering it's kind of a nuanced, uh, you know, subject-specific committee. Uh, so judiciary and housing, I'm, I'm mostly working on now. The housing committee is very important in New Bedford. Well, yeah. Uh, but like I said uh, earlier on, Chris, um, the housing issues in New Bedford are markedly worse um, in this area as opposed to the rest of the state. Um, if you remember that, that eviction moratorium that was in place for a, a certain time, um, residents in the New Bedford Housing Court were not getting notice of that of that legislative action or that executive order, um, and so it created tons of problems. Um, the T coming down isn't going to you know help housing matters. Um, if anything, it's going to de- demand that we put more attention on it. 
Um, so yeah, it, it, it's, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of uh, interesting legislative ideas uh, that go through the housing committee. So I'm really uh, grateful that I have a good um, perspective on that stuff, uh, especially as it relates to New Bedford. We're speaking with Chris Hendricks, a rep, a state rep from New Bedford. Chris, I don't know if we touched on this, but we were talking a little bit uh, about it off air. There's also something in the bill for universal lunches. Yeah. So, um, $115 million. Uh, Rep. Uh, Andy Vargas up north of Boston. Um, this is something that he, uh, you know, was the spearhead on. Um, and so, as you know, the federal program kind of went by the wayside. Uh, so, so, we're really happy that we were able to provide universal lunches, um, you know, throughout the Commonwealth in this budget. Uh, it's a very, you know, when you look at the numbers, it's a very small, uh, comparatively speaking, uh, comparatively speaking to uh, you know other areas of the budget, so so it was an easy, I think, an easy sell this this, this time around. Um, but certainly, uh, we're happy that we could get that in. Well, Chris, as you and I spoke about uh, off the air uh, prior to the interview, I, it, it always made no sense to me that we're spending hundreds of millions of dollars building new schools and giving good teachers contracts, and we and we're, but we're demanding hungry kids uh, pay attention in class. It just it seems if you were the CEO of a company with, with similar expenditures, you wouldn't do that. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's common sense, like right. you said. Um, it's the right so, thing to do to feed hungry kids. I mean, it just is. Right. And it, we also, by the way, we also have a $495 million increase in Chapter 70 uh, this year. So um, so we're real, not only, uh, you know, regards to universal lunches, which I think, as you st- uh, stated, is just paramount. You, you, you can't be productive and useful if you're hungry. Um, right. So so that's number one. But, but again, the Chapter 70, we've uh, funded on track as it relates to the Student Opportunity Act that we passed several years ago. Um, so so a lot of the question marks, a lot of the worries that we had at the beginning of the, um, you know, the pandemic, it, it seemed to be, you know, on good, in a, on good footing right now, um, you know, with education, um, child care. We also have a number of things that, um, you know, for Head Start, early education. Um, and I, I heard one uh, Republican lawmaker up there say, we embrace sustainability in this year's budget. Um, so, so that's certainly something I can get behind. Chris, um, speaking of politics, the um, have you made any uh, endorsements lately at all in any of the races that we have going on uh, statewide? Yes, I have uh, endorsed Bill Strauss. Uh, in the race uh, in, Interesting. Uh, in, in the 10th district. Well, He's your colleague. What's it like yeah. working with Bill? Uh, it's good. Because y- y- you came in brand new. Um, you need you need people who are going to show you the ropes, even if they used to work with, with the guy you beat, right? How was that experience? working with Bill Strauss, and this goes for a lot of the, the rest of the delegation. You're going to learn a lot. Um, yeah. He knows, it, it being the chair of transportation, he has been the spearhead on many important issues down here, particularly with the uh, the train coming down. Uh, the train coming down, the driver's license bill, he was a big part of. Um, and obviously he's busy now with the MBTA investigation. Right. Um, so certainly as far as getting things done, having, you know, how to get resources for your community, I think he could not be uh, a better um, choice. But Chris, let me ask you a question. You, so what you're saying is that when you first got to the legislature, you don't even know what the men's room is yet, he was helpful to you. Yes. Absolutely, and that and that shows, uh, you know, kind of where you're at as far as a lawmaker because right. you need to yeah. build relationships, and you can't get in. in if, if you're not up there building relationships, you're essentially not really going to get anything done. Um, and that, you know, that that obviously was was clear with with Strauss. 
Um, and that's why I endorsed them. And, and I think, you know, particularly with the cushion it, um, you're going to see, you know, if Bill Strauss is in that position representing a cushion at the lower end of uh, cushion it, um, you know, that area is going to be really good hands. There's a lot of big issues in, in the relative to the South Main Street and state ownership thereof. Um, so he's going to be excellent to working through those specific transportation type issues. I didn't even think of that piece that he's actually taking some of your old constituency. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so certainly, um, you know, it's, it's bittersweet, uh, to lose a cushion it, but I, but I, uh, in, in with Paul Schmidt as well. Uh, I endorse Paul Schmidt, uh, wholeheartedly, uh, to win his, uh, his primary and general election because again i think his perspective on farming particularly um is couldn't be more of a perfect fit uh for a cushion speaking with uh we're speaking with chris Hendricks, state rep and all around nice guy all around good guy <laughs> umass law guy same class as me 2014 yeah. So, oh, and, and while we're on the topic of UMass, I forgot to mention another amendment that I got in the House budget. You've got so many that you're forgetting to yeah. mention. Some Should have wrote them. them down, Chris. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a lot of things. Um, America Reads program, which is, if you recall, in the 1990s, uh, the Clinton administration made a big push to increase literacy across the country. And so America Reads connects college kids with people in the, you know, students in the city, students who need the, the uh, extra attention on reading only. And so this budget amendment uh, for, for, for basically it goes to the Ledoux Center at UMass uh, for 50000 will provide a year's worth of transportation for those college kids to go right into the schools and, and give teaching lessons and uh, hopefully build our literacy up. So, Chris, uh, I was reading today in Politico that the it's it's. You know, you guys have had a lot to work on, so it's it's getting a little late in the season to be passing a budget. And due to that fact, you might be at the mercy of Charlie Baker's line item vetoes. So um, do you have any idea if, if House leadership has spoken with the governor on certain things that he does and does not want in the FY23 budget? Uh, I'm sure they have. Um, I, I, I'm sure the, the six-member conference committee, Marcus, would be... You know, probably have a lot more information on that than I. Right. Um, I you know, certainly we anticipate some uh, maneuvers, so there will be some, uh, the, you know, it will be required that we act quickly. Um, right. I don't know specifically, uh, and I haven't heard of anything specifically, uh, but I'm sure there will be. But, but certainly the, the House leadership and Senate leadership are, are prepared for any, you know. Maneuver that he may make. We're speaking with Chris Hendricks, state rep from New Bedford. So before I let you go, Chris, what are your thoughts on President Biden coming to Somerset in the South Coast to talk about clean energy? Yeah. yeah. Listen, uh, would I prefer he be in New Bedford? Of course. Yeah. Um, I, I heard your guys' remarks on, on his, his visit earlier in the show. You know, look, I think it's great that he's coming down to the South Coast. I think, you know, there will always be a connection with the Somerset, New Bedford um, you know, communities moving forward with offshore wind. I think it's more of a, as far as why he picked that, I think it's more of a, a marketable site, quite frankly. I mean, the idea of, you know, a power plant getting demolished and then, you know, uh, the, it becoming a, a place where offshore wind can, can thrive, I think it's kind of a cool message. Um, okay. Certainly, they probably took that into mind. But certainly, you know, no, no guy... It has been more supportive, uh, you know, as far as the uh, president has been supportive of offshore winds and what we're trying to do here in Madison Biden. And at the end of the day, you know, our our future is in, you know, more it, it's more dependent on state action. So I think, you know, whether he goes to New Bedford or Somerset will 
it's going to help our community. It's going to help our efforts here, building a renewable industry here uh, in the South Coast. State Rep. Chris Hendricks, uh, thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it. Thank you, gentlemen. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. See you later, Chris. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. 1420 WB. Back. Someday we'll just open the mics and just talk. We're just going to continuously talk over the commercials. <laughs> and if you can hear us, great. <laughs> not, whatever. So... What were we talking about? So, Marcus, we were talking. So, we had Chris Hendricks. I want to thank him for coming on with us. I think it was a pretty good preview of what's what to be coming down the pike. But as you said, mm-hmm. there is still a little drama left. Um, what's going to happen right here at the end? The gambling bill. Uh, there are some. It's, you know, it's always frustrating. It's and Chris, of course, is a, is a is a is a new member of the legislature. Mm-hmm. It's not his issue really. It's the speaker. They hold everything back to the last minute. You know, they'll get it'll, it'll all come out, come out at three o'clock in the morning. That's you know? the, well. The problem is Baker has ten days on that bill right. before it becomes law. So he can wait till the end of the legislature. If that bill was passed tomorrow, right, he could wait till the end of the legislative session, right, and then make his line item vetoes. So you wonder what is going on there. What what what. Who's trying to run the clock out? That's why. Do you think line item vetoes are a good thing? I had I, I got into a tangent about this last week. Weren't they I, ruled unconstitutional? Hmm? Weren't they ruled unconstitutional? For the president. Right. For the president and Congress, the Supreme Court said a line item veto was unconstitutional. Right. Which was, you know what's funny is that I believe it was the Newt Gingrich Congress that wanted to give Bill Clinton the line was, item yeah, veto. The contract right? in America. Yeah, it was 90, right, 96, uh, 96. It was ruled an unconstitutional uh, violation of separation of powers. Obviously, state constitutions do have a little bit more wriggle, uh, wiggle room with respect to a lot of the things that are in the Constitution. You know, the 14th Amendment incorporates the Bill of Rights. I don't think it necessarily incorporates everything from right. the federal con- Constitution down to the state Constitution. But it does It does raise the question, you know, are line, line item vetoes a good thing? Can, you know, Charlie Baker basically make this his own personal budget now right. that the state is, you know, the clock, the state has basically run out the clock on, on, on overriding his vetoes. So while I like Charlie Baker and think he's done a pretty good job, it, d- it does, I don't know, ruffle my feathers to give one person so much power, quite frankly. Yeah, I and agree. The governor has a tremendous amount of power to begin with. I agree. So I do think that's, 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 it's, but, you know, we're, we're seeing, quite frankly, where, where, it, where, how it works, right? Yeah. Because whether, whether you like the bills or not, Charlie Baker vetoed him and then they came back and, and overrode him. So it, it's, um, we'll see. We'll see, um, what ends up happening, but, it's um, it's quite you know they're going to run the clock out. It looks like anyway. So the um, we have a big visit tomorrow. Yeah, we and we're going to actually tomorrow. talk about it when we get back. So five zero eight nine nine six oh five hundred, and we'll be right back. Why should you download this tonight? We're just wrapping up. So you were you were getting we were getting into this, but we want to talk a little bit more about the significance of this this presidential visit. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, we we um. The fact that Biden's coming here is a big deal, whether you're Republican or Democrat. Um, you know, the president controls a lot. Speaking of lime item vetoes, right? Vetoes, right? I mean, the president can. You saw what Charlie Baker just did for um, for the, in the budget for this area yeah. by by dictating all that money directly down here. The president can do enormous things, mm-hmm. you know, good or bad. So the fact that Joe Biden's coming, I think, is important. But who deserves credit for bringing Joe Biden? I think it becomes pretty obvious, Mark, as we were talking about off the air, that Jake Auchincloss really because because how did Somerset went out the presidential visit for on on renewable right. wind right on wind power. Mm-hmm. How did out of the entire state he's coming to Brayton? Could have went to New Bedford. He could have went to the Cape. Yep. He could have went to, to Gloucester. To that, Gloucester. Right. He could have went to Boston. Right. And instead, he's coming to Somerset, Massachusetts. Yeah. And he's bringing Jake Auchincloss on Air Force One. Air Force One.